Vinny, Vinny, Amari. We came, we saw, we loved. Welcome to the Partnership Vision Podcast. Where we discuss how to have a relationship full of unity, trust, fun, and fulfillment. We'll be sharing the rewards of preparing yourself for your best partner and being your best for them. And when you just, when you face fear like that, when you deal with fear ahead of time, preparing yourself instead of going down that whole dark path of, oh, what will happen? I wonder what will happen? What will happen? What will happen? What if this happens? You know, the what ifs and what will, and just repetitively having these things going through your, your, the background of your mind and your emotions, you can just confront them and stop them right now. Be like, realistically, where is this probably going to go? <laughs> like, what is this probably even going to be? And what's the possibility that it could actually even be a good thing? You know, that it's not going to be so terrible. Like so often it's like, we're afraid of awkwardness. And what really is so bad about being in an awkward situation at the end of the day? Mostly it's just that we're so afraid of them. We so rarely are put into them that we get out of our comfort zone. We're uncomfortable and that's it. That's really it. We're uncomfortable for a few minutes, you know, like maybe it goes up on social media and somebody else sees it, whatever, you know, the worst that can possibly happen with an uncomfortable situation and with an awkward situation is our own self interrogation and how we tear ourselves apart afterwards. You know, if we, why well, that was so stupid. Why did I say that thing? Or why did I do that? Or I wonder what they thought after that or whatever. It's our own insecurities and our own continuing to worry and stress about things that turns things that really should not even be a big deal into much worse. So these things are self-defeating cycles that we got to get out of if we really want the best in our life. Exactly. And that's one of the tools that actually Sean has taught me over the years is how to, to delineate between things and really put things in perspective, even when I'm reeling. And it, it helps a lot. And if you want to, you can always put it on paper. It's like put the, the issue at hand that you're, you're really uptight about. Put that at the top of the paper or your notepad on your phone, whichever is most readily available for you at the moment. And underneath, put some bullet points. Well, okay, what am I feeling about this? What am I so afraid of? And make a list. And then read over that list and go one by one okay, what can I do about that? Or is there anything that can be done about that? Or how is that even logical? How, is that even possible? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting to. Is it even possible? Run it through a few questions like that and write down the answers next to each one. And then just see for yourself how irrational that feeling was. And that's another thing too, is fear takes you away from your present time. Fear acts on past and future things and it takes you away from the present and so it really it tears you in either direction and it brings you off your your equilibrium your balance especially in your mental framework and it poisons anything that can happen just like we've been saying so it is really important to be able to work through each fear and not let it grow out of way out of proportion because that's another thing you're you're in your bedroom and you're just kind of sitting on your bed worrying about something you're afraid of a test or a presentation coming up or 
just in, enter into that blank what applies to you if it is a situation with a family member or a friend that you're going to have to confront in some way and you think that oh well they're if they say this i say um, i'm going to say this if they say this i'm going to say that and then yeah before you know it, you're having all these fake pretend conversations with that person and none of that may even happen there's no way of preparing for anything that that person might say or do and the best you can do is to be calm and at, at peace going into that situation to where you can actually be able to comprehend the situation for what it is and not get caught up into this alternate reality that is actually way worse than actually what reality is and be able to respond with sound logic and reasons and be able to navigate it without getting traumatized in any sort of way and being able to maybe even remedy the situation if that's even possible but you have to be in a place of peace first and not in fear to be able to actually navigate that situation yeah and a really good word picture of that would be you know say a really you know serious wreck happens on a highway or you know something really terrible happens to somebody and two different kinds of people arrive at the situation and are right there seeing what's happening to this victim and the one maybe they see and they have compassion they really care like oh my goodness this is happening to this person but they have no training and they have no idea what to do and they're just freaking out like what do we do what do we do what do we do you know like chicken running chicken with running with their head cut off they don't know what to do they don't know how to handle the situation they're reacting they're reacting out of their emotions. They have no idea. They're in a panic trying to figure out how to handle it. The other person is a responder. This is somebody who understands how to handle emergencies, how to handle a crisis. They keep a cool head. They can even use the person who's reacting, calm them down and say, this is what I need you to do. This is what we're going to do in this situation. We need to get this person out of this car before you know they might suffocate in there with the smoke you know we need to do this and this and this and then here's what how we need to take care of the wound and there's someone that has the right strategy they they deal with situations with a strategy that's the difference between a person who reacts and a person who responds you have a strategy and you have a sense of purpose about what you're doing and you're not going to get into the fear because you know what your purpose is. You know the thing that you're trying to do and you're going to stay courageous to do what needs to be done. And you're not going to let yourself be dragged down into all the emotional reactions. Of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, something happened to him. You know, what are we going to do? People, you, you see these movie reactions and the sad thing is people a lot of times react like they do in the movies because they see how people react in the movies. They end up being you know a, a clown they end up doing exactly the thing that they see on tv because that's how you're supposed to react when something terrible happens you're supposed to be shocked you're supposed to you know get all upset and start screaming and do all this different kind of stuff so that when people you know take out their their phone and put it on social media and whatnot these are people responding in a disaster this is how people are supposed to respond in disasters it's it's ridiculous like we are mimicking the reality that we see on a TV screen. We're mimicking the reality that we see on our, our cell phones instead of preparing, instead of like, how should you really respond at a car wreck? How should you really deal with this or that happening to yourself or someone in your family? 
you know, it, that's not fear. That's being proactive. That's that's being wise and learning about things and learning how to handle these situations and and deal with the fear instead of just being afraid of what would happen if we get in a car wreck. And here's what I would do. I I would just lose my head, my mind. You know, if this happened or that happened. Like you are literally preparing yourself for the worst possible reaction if you're getting all of this fear kind of stuff fed into you about how you're going to react to things. Don't react, respond. Grow in dealing with fear head on and choose to go with your head instead of losing your head, instead of letting the situation overwhelm you and overcome you. And sometimes things are going to happen that you are not prepared for. And the way that you need to deal with that is by keeping your calm and just trying to learn in the situation as best you can and trying to come up with the right answers, which are not going to come to you in a panic. They're not going to come to you when you're freaking out and you're afraid. So probably the most important skill you can learn for dealing with any truly dangerous or truly terrible situation is learning to overcome fear for yourself and get to the point where you can adapt and you can begin to grow and learn even as things are happening. And here is where we start to kind of dive into more of the deep end. So I'm about to share with you some things that I did experience with my captor that ties into fear very well. And I I have tons of these things, but I'm trying to limit myself to just a few to where we can just kind of dive into some of them with a little bit more detail and description so that way you can understand better. So one of the more broader spectrums of how my captor kept control over me is that I was constantly in insecurity and fear, especially through my years with him. Uh, Nothing was safe in reality, but I was made to believe it was. He prided himself in being the wild card and being unpredictable and all these other things. And yet he made the illusion that everything's for my own, my own good and he has my best interest at heart and things might seem scary, but really it's, it's for my own good. He would constantly make me fearful of losing him by again gaslighting me into fearing that he'd break up with me through threats and he actually did break up with me once and it was over text and it was over something very just stupid very foolish and he he had me in tears he had me worrying because you know I didn't have any friends I was not on good terms with my family and the only people I had were his friends and him and all he would have to do is say one word and I have no technical quote-unquote friends they were never my friends they were my co-captors because they they helped him in so many different ways and there were several of them was the sad thing but he actually quote-unquote broke up with me just to make a point to where I can't couldn't call his bluff on it he'd say if you don't trust me I'll give you a reason not to trust me And that's especially when I'd confront him about something that didn't seem right between him and another woman, which he did. I I ended up having to stalk his phone. And even when he set a password, because he made a a different reason as to why he set a password and didn't tell me his password. But I think he might have somehow knew I was getting into his phone. But I got to where 
I want to know what's going on. So I got in his phone and that's something I would have never done before. And I would come across different pictures and proof that he was somewhere where he was when he was saying he was somewhere else and plans to meet up with another woman when he was saying he was having to work late or having to work on a Saturday, which with his job description, it was very possible because he would have to go to different locations to troubleshoot some things. So you never know when something might actually pop up and you would have to put out something. And so it made his case that much more believable. Like, hey, well, I've got to go to so such and such and, you know, I'll be back at volleyball time. But in reality, he's out with another woman doing who knows what. And he'd get mad and defensive and give me the cold shoulder and like, oh, I'm sleeping on the couch. You know, that that whole bit of, well, you don't trust me, so I'm I'm mad at you. You know, you're going to you're going to be punished for what you did. It's like you're making me feel like the enemy here when all I do is love you. And just turning the guilt and shame on me when in reality he's the one cheating and I'm not I'm not doing anything but trying to in my own ways love him and be there for him and and try to have a real relationship even though this <laughs> I was under the guise it was a relationship but really it was an enslavement. And that was a lot of perspective warping and bending of your whole perception and a lot of like playing on your fears and using things against you and like, you know, whenever somebody's controlling you, it's pretty much automatically that they're playing on your fears. It's pretty much automatically that they're using fear against you. Fear and love are the opposite to each other. They're antithetical to each other. And when someone is trying to control you, they're not loving you. When they're trying to control you, they are pushing buttons and making you feel that you have to do this, you have to think that, you have to feel this way, because if you don't, you're going to lose out on something. If you don't, something bad is going to happen to you. You know, they're going to withdraw themselves from you. Like, you better just accept this version of reality that they're a good person and you should just trust them. Because if you don't, they're going to get mad at you and they're going to punish you for it. You know, like, they make you think that you should buy into their version of reality that they're trying to gaslight you with and trying to make you believe in and and be sold on. Because if you don't, then the, the consequences are they're just going to make it really hard for you and really uncomfortable for you. And they're going to withdraw intimacy from you and what you really want if you do not just lay off and believe them and just let it go and there has to be a lot of fear involved really i mean for you to be able to see that that was going on and still stick with them i mean that had to be a lot of some kind of fear something going on there i didn't have anywhere to go i mean in reality yeah my parents would have taken me back but i was already so mentally twisted by him that I didn't see that as an option and I couldn't afford my own place I didn't have again I didn't have any friends so he really just made me believe that I was totally dependent on him that nobody else would want me or that he was just so great and so honorable that I couldn't find anybody better than him because he would mix in good things with all the bad. 
that's another way that he would keep control is that oh well he can't be that bad because he's doing all these other things for me he went and he went and bought me this he went me shop he took me shopping and just randomly got me some new uh, like five pairs of new shoes or decided to take me to see some family that i was still on good terms with for uh, like every once in a blue moon or whatever see he still wants me to see my family he wants me to be good on good terms with my family oh my goodness he he okay so maybe all these other things maybe he was just upset or angry or something and um maybe he really he really does love me he just he has his own issues and he'll he'll get better which is denial and he was controlling me through anger in his own ways he was afraid that he was losing control of me so he was making me afraid of him and afraid of losing him which is the crazy thing about abusers and the relationship with abusers stockholm syndrome somebody can treat you like crap they can treat you terribly and you can kind of know that you can kind of know that they treat you like crap and yet because they hold themselves back and because they constantly hold the relationship hostage to them getting what they want all the time you are sort of programmed to want to protect that relationship and try to keep that connection with them alive no matter what even though they're a terrible person even though it's terribly toxic and there's nothing good about the entire thing and it's so it's bizarre that because they will pull this whole well I'll just leave you well I'll just do that well this this I'll just do that you know, from a logical point of view, if it's just purely logical, you know, if you didn't have any attachment to the said person, just be like, fine, you know, leave me then get out of here. But because of the warping and because of becoming so codependent and so just afraid of not having them anymore, afraid of not having that relationship, afraid of having to figure out how are you going to live now without them? How are you going to handle this change in your life? You are constantly navigating, trying to win back and trying to get back in the good graces of this person who's actually just terrible. He acted like he was all about helping me learn how to protect myself and how to hold down a good job because I never really had a job before uh, he took me because I was always in school. I mean, I was taking 16 credit hours in college every semester without fail and keeping a 4.0 I was in the honors college and all sorts of different things and I had no experience with a job so he was trying to make it out to where yeah I, I got you your job you know I I got you this vehicle so that way you don't have to be dependent on your family well I got you all these new shoes and I've taken you on all these cool adventures because you've never gotten to do it and I've made sure you've had all these first experiences with getting to go and do things and see new things and I wouldn't have done that if I didn't love you and I guess really the biggest fear probably with all of that too is the fear of just being totally without a foundation of reality like if all these things he was saying were a lie if all of this stuff he was doing was really for the raw motives if there is really nothing good about this person then what is stable like what is solid when you you know have already been pushed to fear and not trust the people who were there in your life and 
you know, you're away from them and you're not believing in them. They, you don't think that they're good for you. They're safe for you. This person is it. And if really they're insidious and they're terrible and everything is horrible with them, the biggest fear is what, what do I do? What would I do if there is nothing good about this situation? If everything is actually in fact terrible, kind of the, the reeling kind of insanity of nothing is stable instability was a was a huge issue and that's the thing is like he had me so far gone i didn't even think about that kind of thing like oh well what is real if he's not well my my mind was already so taken over i didn't even think to think about that all i knew is i needed to make this work and that for whatever reason i wanted to make it work and and he tried to make it out that he that he gave me all this stability and that we were going to have this awesome life together and because that's the thing from the very get-go I, I told you in self-doubt and insecurity that episode or episodes that he took my phone the moment we we left the house and and then when i did have some communications via email with my parents on a computer he fed me what to say because i i was so distraught and I was so upset I like I I cried for days at, after I was at his house and I at the time I didn't realize why and that's because I uh, somehow somewhere like my spirit knew that this was terrible and what just happened was life-shattering but my uh, but mentally consciously I had no clue and so since I was so upset and so fearful and all this other th all these other things because I didn't know what to do and I felt terrible he was like oh well you know what just let, let me handle this for you I'll, I'll help you out with this but in reality he was just feeding me things to to tell them to, to push his own agenda and make him look good like he's like oh well I'm just trying to help him help her out you know and she can't really speak for herself so blah 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 but still trying to make it look like I'm saying it. And so from the get-go, he worked on my mind. Even before he took me, he already had had grips on my mind. And like I told you before, is that I was even using his verbiage before he even took me. And I, I was already operating in the spirit that he was walking into a degree because I was, I was already kind of like in the, the, the terms of like stranger things, the, the mind flare already had me. I was still conscious, but the mind flare was, was all the more still there. So he really, he made me, like I said, he, he made me completely dependent on him for everything and kept a tight leash on me to where I couldn't even envision being without him. And how just much of a major loss and devastation it would be to lose him. But he also kept telling me that no one will ever love you as much as I do. And that he even told me that after I broke up with him. Trying to put off like his love was above everybody else's love and I would never find anybody as good as him. And so he kept implanting these thoughts ever so constantly and consistently, but not uh, not too much together to where I could, I could draw patterns. And that's a fear tactic too, because what it's trying to implant is this idea of you're, you're going to have to come back if you want to have the best that you can get like the best that you can get is right here and you're never going to get it anywhere else so 
you know, you're, you're going to have to come back or you're just going to be haunted for the rest of your life, never getting a better love, never getting a better thing. And it's a lie, you know, like this, that's what a person who plays under your fears does. They lie. Fear is based in lies and people that are masters of fear are based in lies. Like there's no truth to it. Like it's so much based on the power of suggestion. It's so much just based on, they say it's this way. Oh, this is how it is. No, they just said that it is. That doesn't make it so. I can, I can tell you all day long that the sky is orange. That doesn't make the sky orange, you know, like I, I can show you proof that the sky is orange. I can show you pictures or I can, I can take you out and just make you look at the sunset really quick and drag you right back in the house and say, see, there you go. The sky is orange. That's orange. You know, I can, I can start trying to change the vocabulary and say, see, orange, and point at the color blue and make you think, oh, I guess that's just what the color orange is, you know, until you're, you're confused. It's brainwashing, you know, it's lying. It's making you alter your perspective of reality so that they have control over you. You know, these things are totally related. False perceptions of reality, wrong ways of looking at things, being stuck on these sort of exclusive beliefs that really don't have to be mutually exclusive. It really doesn't have to be this way or that way only. And that's all that, it, that, that there is, you know, maybe there is a spectrum of different possibilities and things, but fear always sells you a lie. That is, this is it. This is how it is. And it's not any other way. Exactly. And another example of what I've been saying in other episodes too, is the more you're around something and it's repeated and repeated and repeated, the more you believe it and the more you become it. And just like the, I said, the, the people that you're around, your crowd is going to influence you whether you like it or not. And so it, having only this one source and that's all I was being fed, that became reality. That, that became everything. And like I said before, by not having a relationship with God, not knowing about spiritual warfare, I didn't have anything to fight back with. I literally had no ammo. And I I didn't know how to get angry. I, I never felt it was safe to get angry. I was always afraid of anger. And that's another reason why he used it against me because I was afraid of anger. Thank you for joining us where the heart is heard. Partnership Vision Ministries. Stay driven by love. So you can wreck all the fear. You can check us out on Instagram at Partnership Vision Ministries. Or on Facebook on Partnership Vision Ministries page. And even Twitter at PVisionM. Y'all come back now, you hear? 